Welcome to Willow Park Church Live Lounge. We're so glad that you are joining us today and we're praying that you'll have a wonderful time as you celebrate the love of Jesus on this Pentecost Sunday. This is the traditional day that church remembers the coming of the Holy Spirit after Easter. So we're praying that whatever room or whatever place you are listening and watching Live Lounge, we're praying that the presence of the Holy Spirit will fill that place and you will truly know the love of God. You might be watching this from somewhere else in the world. You might be watching it right here in Kelowna. You may not even be sure about Christianity and you're just thinking about this whole thing. Well, we're praying that you will get some answers, that you'll be blessed and you'll have a really good time with us today. So right now, I'm going to hand straight over to Courtney for the family news. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining the Live Lounge today. And here is your family news. Pursuit is live on Instagram every Sunday night at 7 p.m. This week, Pastor Phil Collins and Shane Baxter will be talking about prayer, meditation, and fasting. Follow at Pursuit Family on Instagram so you can be notified when we go live. Kids Club is an online group for kids grades K to 5, which includes Bible study, fun games, and worship. Even if you've never attended clubs before, you are invited. Join us Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. Pastor Phil has developed three online courses that will help you with your walk with God and with any struggles you may be facing. Courses include Contemplating Your Way Through COVID-19, Hearing God, and Navigating Worry. Visit our website to join one today. Join us after church today for a live video hangout with your campus pastor. Simply visit our website and find the Zoom link for your campus. We can't wait to see you all there. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Thank you, Courtney, for all that incredible information about all the different things that are happening in Willow Park Church right now online. And please check out some of those courses. They really are life-changing, and we're believing that even at this strange time that we can be transformed by Jesus Christ. So now we're going to hand straight over to Jordan, who has an interview with the uh, wonderful ministry of the Pregnancy Care Center in Kelowna. Welcome to week seven of... Willow Park interviews missionaries while we are in self-isolation. This week, we have from the Pregnancy Care Center, Deb Wood. Now, Deb is going to take us through what happens at the Pregnancy Care Center, what's going on. So we're really pleased to welcome her and find out what's going on. So, Deb, thanks for being with us today. How are you doing? Great. So, yeah, welcome to the Pregnancy Care Center. We are basically a nonprofit Christian organization who helps women and men with unexpected pregnancies. So if... You know, you found out that you were pregnant, you could call the Pregnancy Care Center and we would meet with you and give you all your different options. We support women up till their children are the age of two and we help them out with material supports. We help, we do free pregnancy tests. We do uh, options counseling. We do mums groups. And uh, during COVID-19, it's been absolutely crazy for us. So normally we'd see about 34 34 different appointments in a month, and in March we had 90-some, and in April we had 120. So <clears throat> those aren't actually 120 clients. Those would be clients that have maybe every single week have the same needs. So if you could imagine being a single mom 
and not being able to go to the grocery store, being all by yourself. So what happens on Thursdays here is we pack up a whole bunch of stuff for them, diapers and wipes and formula and gift cards for food, and we will take it to their homes and drop it off for them. So we moved back into our center last Tuesday, I guess, after the long weekend. Um, We're closed to um, the public right now. But we are talking with our clients and we're going to slowly bring them back in just one at a time so that we can stick with WorkSafe BC. So, yeah, it's been pretty crazy around here. Very, very busy. And um, we have 15 volunteers calling over 70 clients weekly, just checking in on them and asking them how they're doing. So they're they're having a hard time right now. You know, imagine being single and alone and, and having a child or being pregnant. We've had four babies that have been born in the last two months and um, two more that are going to be born in the next uh, couple of weeks here. So if you can even imagine going to the hospital, what that would be like as someone that has no one with you, Laura went and spent a 24 hour labor with one of our clients wow. just to go through the delivery of her baby. And just so, so inspiring what you guys do. Um, do you have any yeah. stories? Do you have, do you have anything that you want to tell us about people? Or- yeah. So, you know, like I just got here just over a year ago and um you know, one of my real passions is, is that I absolutely believe in life. Like that is so important that uh, these women choose life. But I think it's way bigger than that. And that the church really has to, and the Christians have to step up and say, how else can we support you? So we had someone that came through our doors actually in March. And she was definitely coming here, wanting to talk about getting an abortion. And by the time she left here, she chose to keep her baby and um, she ended up a couple of weeks ago with an infection in her, in her mouth with two teeth that needed fillings mm-hmm. and couldn't eat for two weeks. And so we just said, go see if you can find a dentist. And yesterday I talked to my board and said, you know, can we pay for her teeth? It's $470 because here she's choosing life for her child. She's going to place for adoption. And we're the ones that, you know, kind of convinced her to do that. So we need to do more than just say choose life. We need to come alongside these women and do whatever we can to help them to be successful in society and in life. And so that's kind of my passion to just ignite the Christians and the churches to say, come on, guys, let's come alongside and help these women in any way that we can in these families. Wow. That's such an amazing, like how you carry it on. That's fantastic. Carry it on. And I never even really thought about the implications of that. That's so great that you do that. So with that, with that idea, how do we, how do we support you as well? Our church, how do we, how do we encourage you? Cause I know that you don't have the baby bottle drive going on anymore right now. So how can we help you and where do we give money? Where do we give material supplies? How can we do that? So you can, there's a, you're right. Our baby bottle fundraiser would have been, we would have dropped off 2000 bottles here on mother's day. And that actually brings in about $70,000 for us which is like 25% of our budget. So we did something virtually, which means that you can go onto our website and just press the donate button. It takes you straight to Canada Helps and there's a baby bottle fundraiser there. You can call up the center and donate uh, over the phone. You can send us checks in the mail and you can just show up here because we are open and there's just a little buzzer you have to press and we'll bring you up and uh, um, 
you can do, donate that way. So donating is certainly a way that will help us out financially with all the different things. And then pray for us. Please pray for us. I will take prayer before I'll take money because I just think that we're, we're on the front lines and we need your prayers. It's difficult to go into those rooms not knowing if someone's going to choose abortion. And so, you know, our volunteers and all of us, we need prayers. It's been pretty crazy around here and we covet your prayers and we love that you guys support us. So, yeah, just drop by the center if you need to or call the center. Well, I know there's a lot, a lot of support for the Pregnancy Care Center in our church. Just always talking about it, always just loving life. And I love that you said that you love life. And, and um, that was a inspiring hearing what you guys are doing and, and how we can help. So um, we're going to put a website on here at the end and um, just so people can know where to go, where to give and even head down there and, 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 and be sure to support them as much as you can. And what she said is keep praying for them. Keep Pregnancy yes. Care Center in your prayers and all those people and all those women and men and, and, and babies that, that have, that have mm-hmm. received life. So let's, um, let's, let's pray for them. Thank you. Thank you so much. The Pregnancy Care Center is so awesome. As the church, as followers of Jesus, our greatest call is to bear each other's burdens, to, to fight for each other. And, and that's, that's the church. And we get to be a part of that with great organizations like the Pregnancy Care Center. So we love them so much. Today's a very significant day. It's Pentecost Sunday. That seems like a really churchy word, doesn't it? What in the world even is that? In the Jewish mind, 2,000 years ago, it was the beginning of the harvest. This was an important festival for them. It was a big deal. The harvest was coming in. There was so much blessing was about to abound. There was so much abundance coming in. It was really beautiful. The Holy Spirit chose that moment to represent what was going to happen in our lives, that there's a harvest that, that he's for us, that his spirit comes and, and the bread of life comes to dwell within us, that there's abundance. It also marks the fact that there is a harvest, that people that are far from God will come to know him. Jesus spoke in this language. He said that, that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And speaking about people that are far from him and they need to come back toward him. So let me encourage you in this period of Pentecost, Just step into your relationship with God. Expect abundance. Pray for those that are going through trouble or are far away. He wants to work in us. I'm very convinced of this. We're going to worship now, and let's just bring these prayers into our worship time. So pray with me. So Jesus, thank you that you came and you promised us a life of abundance, Jesus. God, that you hold nothing good from us, back, God, that you, that you pursue us, that every good and perfect gift comes from you, Father. Remind us in this season, Jesus, that you're the good shepherd, that you love us, and you promise blessing in our lives, God. God, we pray for that in this season, Jesus. We worship you now. Amen. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare 
tasted and seen of the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free and my chains are undone in your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. And your glory, God, is what our hearts long to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence. Nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, God. And I've tasted and seen. Of the sweetest of love When my heart becomes clean And my shame is undone Your presence, Lord Sing Holy Spirit Holy Spirit, you are welcome Come fly Let us experience the glory of your 
come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long to be overcome by your presence, Lord. God, we thank you for your presence, God. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, God, that we can enter into a personal relationship with the creator of heaven and earth, God. God, we thank you for the power that comes with your spirit. God, that we can do all things through your spirit, God. That is beautiful. You are a good God. God, we love your presence, God. We love to sit and bask in your glory. You are a good father, God, and you give good gifts. Yeah, we love you.
Lord Jesus, this is the reason that we're here, Father, to encounter you in your fullness, in your glory. Jesus, we invite you into every part of our being, Father. Father, thank you that your spirit is here, that you're moving in our city, in our hearts. We love you, and we want to declare much of who you are. Hello, Willow Park Church family. We're going to take communion here in a sec, so I invite you to go grab your bread and your juice. And while you do that, I just want to read a quick scripture and have a, just a quick little thought as we enter in. In 1 Peter 1, 18 to 20, it says, For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers 
but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed to these last times for your sake. Just the other day, my youngest and I, Evie, we went out to check our garden, really excited about what's growing. And as we were up on looking at the garden beds, Evie was running to me and she tripped on the hose and she fell and she scraped her knee really good. And she, this look of just distraught came across her as she looked down at her knee and she's bleeding really well. And she's like, this isn't right. <laughs> I'm bleeding. This is a big cut. She's never experiencing anything like this. And I just picked her up, comforted her, and we went in and cleaned it up. She realized that the blood was, you know, it's not normal. That it was outside of her skin. And I saw her and I was like, man, I would have gladly fallen on that hose. Knowing the pain that she was experiencing so I can experience it instead of her. And it got me thinking about the blood of Christ shed for us and the importance of it and his deep love for us that he chose to go to the cross because he knew what needed to be done. He didn't want us to experience that pain. Because of his blood shed for us, we have forgiveness of sins. It cleanses us, it removes the guilt of sin, and restores us with Christ. Because of his precious blood, it speaks of something better for us, that there's actually redemption and forgiveness and a hope for us. Because of that precious blood, we can now enter the holies of holies. What does that mean? We can have relationship with God through Christ, that with confidence we can go into the throne room of God because of what Jesus has done for us. So we now have this beautiful relationship. Because of the precious blood, we actually have overcome Satan. Actually, he has, he has no stronghold against us. He's been defeated. We have victory in Jesus. And so as we come to the table, we're reminded of those things. We're reminded of that precious blood poured out for us. And so let's partake together. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together of his body. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's partake. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done on the cross and what it means for us, the victory we have in you because of it, Jesus. Lord, that we have forgiveness and redemption. It speaks of of a better Better, um, better life for us because of you, Jesus. Nothing 
can wash away our sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus. How precious it is, how valuable it is, and how wonderful. Lord, we thank you for what you have done on the cross for us. Amen.
Yeah, Jesus, we pray that this would be our heart cry. God, that we would get so caught up in being with you, Father, that we wouldn't want to leave. Father, we're grateful for your presence. Father, we thank you that your name is Emmanuel, that you are God with us. We love you. Yeah, we just pray. Um, just your blessing over the rest of the service, Father. We pray that you would move in power. Yeah, Jesus, we trust you. We love you. Pray this in your name. Thank you, Chris and the band in leading us in this beautiful worship time. I was so grateful for the time they put in and presenting these wonderful songs for us to join with them 
in lifting up Jesus. And we can get to do that now in, in giving uh, back to him that which he has actually given to us in the first place. Thank you so much for so many of you continuing to give generously and cheerfully to the work of Willow Park Church, not just for Kelowna, but actually so many people who tune into this around the world. So thank you for that. We really appreciate it because it's actually contributing to some amazing ministry that's going on all the time. Like you've got the live lounge, which is what we're doing now, but then you have the alpha courses, the Zoom Bible studies, the kids work, the, ch- uh, the youth work, uh, it, it just goes on and on, and we've got some wonderful plans coming up as well. So thank you for doing that. And if you do want to give now, you can do so by clicking up on the uh, right-hand side of your screen or where the chat host is putting a link right now. Or you can go to the website and click, click uh, Give there, and you can fill out an auto-debit form if you would normally give a monthly check. So thank you for doing that. going to hand over now to Courtney, and she's going to share a lovely kid's story with us about the unforgiveness giving servant. Thank you, Pastor Glenn. Today we are hearing from our Sermon on the Mount series from Pastor Phil about forgiveness and being merciful. So I have a story for you called The Unforgiving Servant. Peter asked Jesus a question. If somebody hurts me, he said, and then says, I'm really sorry, how many times should I forgive him and say, hey, that's okay? Before Jesus could answer, however, Peter offered an answer of his own. He thought it would sound good. He thought it would sound big-hearted. He thought it would be the kind of thing Jesus would like to hear. Should I forgive him seven times, he asked. It seemed like a lot of times to Peter, but Jesus was not impressed. No, answered Jesus, not seven times, but seventy times seven times. Peter did some quick math in his head. That was a lot of times, a whole lot of times, more times than Peter had ever forgiven anybody. So Jesus told him a story. Once there was a king, and one of his servants owed him money. Not a little money, not lots of money, but loads and loads and loads of money, millions and millions and more. One day, the servant was brought before the king, and because he could not pay what he owed, the king commanded that the man and his family should be sold as slaves. The servant fell to his knees. I'm really sorry, he cried. Be patient with me, please. Just give me another chance, and I promise I will pay back everything I owe. The king looked at his servant. He felt sorry for him. And then, much to the servant's surprise, The king smiled and said, hey, that's okay. Then he called off the debt and set him free. The servant left the palace celebrating, and that's when he ran into another servant, a servant who owed him money. Not loads of money, not lots of money either, just a couple of coins, that's it. Did the first servant remember what the king had done for him? Not for a minute. He grabbed the second servant and demanded to be paid. So the second servant fell to his knees. I'm really sorry, he cried. Be patient with me, please. Give me another chance, and I will pay back everything I owe. But instead of saying, hey, that's okay, the first servant had the second servant thrown into jail. Word of this got back to the king, 
And he was so angry that he had the first servant dragged before him again. When you came to see me, he said, and you said, I'm really sorry, I called off your debt and said, hey, that's okay. Why couldn't you do the same? And with that, the king had the servant thrown into jail until he could repay what he owed. Jesus looked at his friend. God is like that king. I'm really sorry. That's what we say to him more times than we can count. And even more times than that, he tells us, hey, that's okay. And all he really wants is for us to tell that to each other too. I'm really sorry, said Peter. I didn't understand. And Jesus just smiled and said, hey, that's okay. All right, we are going to hear from Pastor Phil now all about the Sermon on the Mount and about being merciful. Here we go. Thanks for having me, everyone. Bye. Thank you, Courtney. That is an ideal way to start this message. Last week, Pastor Glenn brilliantly shared about the first four Beatitudes and about our heart to find true happiness and true satisfaction is only really found in Christ and that the Beatitudes teach us how to live, how to move, how to live in the way that God calls us to live. They are powerful within our lives. Well, I want to camp in this beatitude. Right here, it said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We need this verse. We need this verse in the pandemic because you know how tense it can be. Even going to shop at Costco as you avoid people and walk around and, and the looks you get. And if, I mean, I'm terrible. I forget which way I should be going. I'm useless with arrows and the arrows are on the floor, but I'm looking all around and then I realize I'm not going with the flow and I feel the condemnation around me that I'm not going with the flow and I try and get in the flow. And, oh, we need a lot of forgiveness, a lot of mercy at this time in our nation. But the beautiful thing is that a vast majority of people are so kind and so lovely. But what does this verse really mean? We're just going to handle one verse. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We've all met people who have been imprisoned by the bitterness of their hearts. We know the power of bitterness. We know how it wrecks friendships, how it wrecks relationships, how families break down because of bitterness. It's a terrible thing. So we have to ask ourselves the question as we look at the scripture, what does being merciful mean? Well, when we go back into the Old Testament and we understand what the Old Testament teaches, for example, a verse like Hosea uh, 6 verse 6 is that God uh, delights in mercy rather than all of our religious activities of burnt offerings and so forth. What does mercy mean? Well, mercy means being willing to reach out to the broken, to the poor, to the wretched, to those who are wretched 
and despised and forsaken in the world. That we look at them and we are willing to show mercy towards them. What an amazing concept. The danger with this word is that one can replace mercy with the idea of compassion. So one might go, blessed are the compassionate, for they will be shown compassion. No. You can be compassionate and never do anything about that. You can see somebody's pain and feel the pain. You can even weep for them and leave it there. There's no action. But the real power of the word mercy is that when you see somebody in agony, when you see somebody struggling, when you see somebody who is in pain, you go and you alleviate that despair. You go and make a difference. When it comes across your path in life and you meet somebody who is struggling, you see, you will burn out if you run around the whole of Kelowna trying to meet everybody's needs. But God brings needs our way as Christians. And when we see a need, it's our responsibility to respond in a merciful way. And that means action. That means doing something. That means making a difference. That means actually I see your need and I am going to alleviate that need. That's why the story of the Good Samaritan is so powerful. Because Jesus draws the difference between those who were religious, the Levite, the priest, who wandered by, they, they skirted around, they stepped over the issue, they ignored the problem, they didn't look at the problem and the issue, and, and they turned away. Whereas the Good Samaritan got down and helped the man who was lying on the floor, struggling, was beaten, was bleeding, and cared for him. So Jesus asked the teachers of the law who were all around him, well, you know, which one fulfilled God's law? And the answer came back. The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You see, the Levite may said a prayer or sang a song as he walked by. The priest may have said some spiritual, holy, powerful words. But it was a Samaritan that got down and did something. And in a nutshell, you have the essence of blessed are the merciful because merciful people are those who are willing to step in, not step over or step around or use religious terms like I'm just going to pray for you. But it's actually about action. It's actually about doing something. It reminds me of the 19th century preacher. And he was preaching in the fields and around the towns and villages of Europe. And as he was preaching, God was moving in power. He was preaching about the grace of God and the mercy of God. And crowds would gather. And his friend had a horse. And in the middle of the crowd, the horse killed over and died. Everybody was sorry. 
I mean, to lose a horse back then is a bit like when your car breaks down on the highway to Vancouver and your engine blows up. It has happened to me. <laughs> and suddenly that horrible sound of banging in the, in the engine and, and, and you're kind of wondering what's going on. Your whole car starts to shake and smoke appears. And you know, I'm not a mechanical man, but I know that something's going wrong. The horse is dead! Says, everybody says, I'm sorry. The preacher stepped forward and said, I am sorry, my dear friend. I am sorry. Five pounds. What does that mean? He said, I'm sorry for your loss, but here is five pounds to help you with this problem. And then he took his hat off and he passed it around the crowd and said, Come on, don't just be sorry. Be merciful. Do something to help this man who has lost his horse. Help him out. That is the essence of mercy. The essence of mercy is that you don't just feel sorry, you actually do something about it. The story of Joseph really captures all of the essence of mercy. You know the story. Joseph had dreams. He had his multicolored coat. He was despised by his brothers. He was bullied by his brothers. They wanted to murder him, but they only stopped moments before murdering him because they saw a caravan coming along. And so they sold him into slavery. And little did they know that that Joseph would rise through the ranks of the Egyptian civil service system and end up practically being the prime minister of the greatest superpower on the planet at the time, the Egyptian Empire. And of course, in the time of famine, the brothers turn up. And what we see is exactly what this beatitude teaches. Is that when Joseph saw the brothers who had hurt him, who had offended him, who had betrayed him, who had wounded him, What does the Bible say? It says he had compassion. He went and he wept and turned away and he cried for his brothers and for his family. And then he stepped forward and had mercy. And that mercy meant action. And he gave them resources and food and supplies. And then when they returned, he offered them forgiveness And offered them grace. In that story, you have both sides of the words mercy. On one side, you have practical action that alleviates somebody's pain. And on the other side, you have forgiveness of how they have hurt you and wounded you. And that is the two sides of the powerful idea of blessed are the merciful. Because... you will be shown mercy, is that when you live this way, it changes the way you view the world. You see, a Christian is merciful very simply because we have been shown so much mercy. And a Christian who understands mercy is somebody who understands their own weakness, their own brokenness, their own personal battle. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've failed and failed in many ways. Like you 
and me, that we all have moments in our life when we've acted incorrectly. We've hurt people without realizing it. We have, we have battled. And then we realize how sinful we are. The heart of a Christian is to realize how broken and how sinful we really are. And then because of that, we know we receive much off Christ. And because of that, we show grace and forgiveness. And we let grudges go. And we care for people and we pray for them. The great preacher of Westminster Central Chapel, the great uh, place to declare the goodness of God and great reformed theology, uh, W.E. Sangster, he was once writing out his, um, his Christmas cards just before the Christmas events and so on and writing little messages to people and uh, putting all of his Christmas cards out. And his friend walked in and looked at his activities. He was beavering away and writing out Christmas cards. Not something we do as much these days, do we, in this internet age, Christmas cards. But had them all laid out. And his friend walked forward and picked up a Christmas card and looked at it. He said, you're sending the Christmas card to this man? Yes. Well, don't you remember 18 months ago that this man slandered you, spoke about you in a disrespectful way, publicly humiliated you? The preacher looked at him and said, oh, you're right. Hmm. He said, when it happened, I determined that I would forgive that man, that I would forget, and that I would move on. I guess I did. And I'm sending the Christmas card. Wow. Isn't that the heart of a Christian? That we are willing to forgive we're willing to forget. We are willing to move on. That is true freedom. You know, I've, I had an associate back in England, and he was a lovely guy uh, and would forgive everybody. And, and I remember one particular person that really was horrible to him, mean, slanderous. And I, in my quick-witted youthfulness, cracked some jokes about this other guy and said, you know, what a, whatever, I, I was not very respectful. And to my surprise, my associate looked at me and to my humiliation, he said, yes, I know, but I have forgiven him. And he said, Phil, I want you to understand, he's got a lot of problems. He's got a lot of baggage in his life. We don't know what he's really been through. We can't judge him. As, he, as my associate was speaking, I was feeling smaller and smaller. And we know we have to pray for him and we have to bless him. By this time, I was about this big. And I was like, oh, thank you to my associate for showing such grace even about somebody that was so mean about him. That's the essence of mercy. That's the essence of forgiveness. 
That is the heart. And coming back to the story of Joseph, this is exactly what he said to them. You intended it to harm me, but God intended it for good. Even when we're hurt by others, we can take that harm and we can take that pain and we can turn it around and we can actually say yes. God can do something good with this. God can make me more merciful. God can make me more forgiving. God can be with me. And this is the true kind of two tests of a true Christian. The first test is that we are willing to forgive people who have hurt us. We're willing to let it go. We're willing to forgive. We're willing to be courteous. We're willing to be kind. We're willing to do this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, it's a law that when we live out of a heart of forgiveness, then then the forgiveness of God and the love of God flows through our lives. And one of the deep tests of a true Christian is how willing we are to forgive. To forgive. Because life is tough. We clash with people. We go through disappointments. We have hard relationships with family members. But we are willing to forgive. And it's a test that we are willing to forgive. Loving God with all one's might and one's neighbor as yourself from the story that we've already talked about, about the Good Samaritan. To love God with all your might, with everything within you, with everything that is present, with everything that is there in your life, is what we're called to do. And then to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's hard, but with the love of God and the grace of God. The second test, so if the first test is our willing to forgive people, the second test is if anyone has material possessions and see a brother or sister in need but has no pity for them, how can the love of God be that person? How can the love of God be that person? How can it be present I remember shockingly having conversations back in the United Kingdom. I can remember one particular gentleman, strong man, bold. But boy, when you got talking to him, he came out with such prejudiced comments, such hatred towards certain groups of people, towards marginalized, towards those with dependency issues towards the poor and the broken, that after a long conversation with him about how he utterly despised these different people groups, I was actually physically shaken. And I had to say to myself, can this man be truly born again and hold such Opinions that have no mercy in them. Stereotype, cliche 
opinions about people and groups and ethnic groups. Can the love of God dwell in somebody that can speak so condemningly of certain groups? Disturb me. I can't judge that. But boy, if we see people in need and we are called to help them, See, those are the two tests. Mercy is action. Mercy is forgiveness. The two tests. It's like the story that um, Courtney read about the wicked servant uh, who was cancelled the debt of what would have been $20 million today in today's money. Can you imagine if I had a $20 million debt, I wouldn't know how to pay it off. It would be an impossibility for me in my life by the time now, at 54, to the day I die, to raise $20 million to pay a debt that could never be paid off. And that's the point of the story. It's impossible. Until the master shows grace. And that's what Jesus did for us. He showed grace. But then for me to be forgiven of 20 million and somebody owes me $2,000 and they can't pay it back and yet I I condemn them, I shake them, I throw them into prison, I treat them badly. The love of God cannot be in me. Can't be there. And so, we've got to challenge ourselves that we don't allow simple grudges to pollute our hearts. That we don't allow unforgiveness to grab hold of us and grip us And strangle us of all spiritual life. See, this warning is for those who nurture and hold on to anger and unforgiveness and grudges. To family members, to business partners, to past relationships, to friendships. And rather than letting them go, we hold on and we don't show mercy. We hold on to them. This teaching isn't for those who are trying to forgive, but it's hard. Who are working it through, but it's tough. Because we are all like that and it doesn't happen often in an instant. For some people it does, but often it's a process of us learning to forgive and to put forgiveness on like a coat. It's not for those who've been traumatized by an event, and they've been left broken and hurt, and they're trying to find healing. It's for those hard-hearted people who naturally treasure their resentment, treasure their anger, treasure their unforgiveness, treasure their grudge, and hold it like Gollum holding that ring, the precious, holding on to that treasure. So, I want to finish with one story. And the story is, of course, a classic story that you may have heard of, but it's worth telling again. The story of Kari Tenboom. You may not know this story, but she was a young lady who was placed into a concentration camp. And after she went through the war years, she used to go and speak all over the world about forgiveness, about God's grace, and about mercy. Because she'd been in such a terrible, terrible dark place. 
After one day speaking in a certain church, the crowd had disappeared and a man came up to her and said, Fraulein, at that moment she recognized his face. He was the, one of the prison guards in the concentration camp. That moment all the memories came into her mind. The mocking laughs, the showers, the clothes on the floor, the naked bodies, the agony and the pain. And he said, Fraulein, isn't it wonderful that we can all receive the forgiveness of Christ? She did not feel that at that moment. It was like the world froze. And inside, all she could smell was the concentration camp. All she could feel was the pain. All she experienced was those memories of seeing family members and friends who died. And she prayed, Jesus, Jesus, help me. I can't forgive. He thrust his hand out and she kept her hand down. She would not reach out. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. And then she reached out and she said as she reached her hand out, she felt the power of the Holy Spirit go through her, the power of Christ. And she felt the love of God. I don't understand how that works. It's a mystery, but I know it's real. And I know that forgiveness brings life. And she wrote about how that forgiveness flowed. Three things, practical things, from this teaching. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. One, if you're struggling with unforgiveness, regularly confess your unforgiveness about that person and give it to Jesus. Two, Memorize the verses about forgiveness, about compassion. Perhaps the Hosea 6 verse 6 verse about God loving mercy. And three, do something merciful. Serve somebody. Show love. Do an act of mercy. Get involved in projects where mercy is there. Volunteer where mercy is needed and live it out spiritually. So you forgive spiritually, but you act positively. Because God loves mercy more than he does judgment. And judgment will never get you anywhere. Judgment will tie you up. Judging Christians have created so much pain and so much agony in this world. But being merciful, God loves mercy. So wherever you get an opportunity to show mercy, show mercy. Wherever you get an opportunity to practice mercy, practice mercy. Whenever you are hurt and offended, that is a gift where you can show mercy and love towards somebody. And boy, we are all on this journey. So allow the Lord to soften your heart and for you to live in a merciful way. The Lord bless you. Thank you, Pastor Phil, for what is a powerful and challenging message for every one of us, to be merciful and forgiving in this time especially uh, is something we all need to hear. But we also need the power of God to be able to do that. 
And so on Pentecost Sunday, what better time to put time aside to actually think and reflect and maybe do some journaling and listening to Jesus and asking him to empower you through this Holy Spirit to be able to live out the words that we've heard this morning. So thank you, Pastor Phil, for that. So now we're going to share some time together uh, worshiping, and so please join in with us. Uh, Make sure you press connect if you want to speak to somebody or you need some prayer. We'd love to be able to do that. And uh, and of course, uh, hang around to spend some time with your campus pastors uh, on the Zoom that will be starting straight after the service. And you can find those different rooms, Zoom rooms, uh, through the link that the chat host will be putting up right now. So God bless you. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next weekend. Let me out of the desert Brought me into the streams The river of living water Turned my bitter into All my burdens are lifted Took the shackles from my feet Cause there's no sound Louder than the captain said Free, sing, let the redeem Let the redeem of the Lord Sound louder than the captain said.